drinking today? Well, Amanda, I am drinking a strawberry lemonade truly. Oh, you're not drinking vodka tonight? Um, I was going to. I probably will later. <laughs> but I'm just going to. I have raspberry lemonade Svedka vodka that I'm going to mix with a, lam, a regular lemonade truly. But I'm trying to keep it simple for you because I know how you appreciate my simplicity. I do. I do. I know. What are you drinking, Amanda? I actually went a little out on a limb for my normal drinks. And Uh I went a little down the road of circus life. And I am drinking blue raspberry Svetka vodka with cotton candy seltzer that sounds phenomenal it's really sweet but delicious (laughs) no i so the blue raspberry vodka i love to mix with with a root 44 ocean and a root 44 ocean water oh Um, yeah those are delicious by themselves i can only imagine this is the first time i've ever had the blue raspberry oh girl vodka oh girl I just got like the little sampler. Oh, I get the big bottle of that. I'm I'm still trying to get through the cucumber lime one. It's right. It's Yeah, it's good. The cucumber lime one is good, but this is good too. It Does reminds me of a carnival and I love carnivals. Yay. So welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member can be easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Russell Summers. He served in the United States Army from 1998 to 2007 as a medic and MP, and then he served from 2010 to 2015 as an engineer. How are you doing today, Russell? I'm doing great. How are you? Yay, I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to have you here. What are you drinking? I'm actually drinking my go-to coffee. Hey. <laughs> oh, that is such a military thing to be drinking. It is. It's a constant thing with me. It's 24-7. I go through probably about six pots of coffee and just my cup here. So, awesome. Do you drink it black? Yes. So with let me ask you. With a little bit of sugar every once in a while. Do you wash your cup? Um, maybe once a month. There you go. Cheers to not washing your coffee cup. Cheers to having a salty (laughs) coffee cup. It'll change the flavor. Yeah. No, I have a cup that like at the office that no one's allowed to touch. It's definitely a a deployment cup. Gains and all. I've had a cup like this ever since right before I went to Iraq the first time. Well, actually right before I went to Iraq. And I've always had one like this, and I've never changed. Good. Sometimes you got to keep things consistent. Yeah. All right, Russell, where are you from? And can you tell us kind of a little bit about how your story started? Uh, Well, I'm originally from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, which is up in the northern part, just north of Kansas City. Now I reside. You're barely in Missouri still. What, with Excelsior Springs? Yeah. Yeah. Kansas City but, is up there. Yeah, but I mean, you still got a lot of real estate between Excelsior Springs and Iowa, so. It doesn't look like that on the map. <laughs> well, <true. laughs> Says the girl that's never been there. 
Hey, I'm fixing, I was supposed to go to Iowa. I'm fixing to go to Iowa, and I have been to Kansas City. My brother just moved to Kansas City, and he is loving it. We, okay, there's two different Kansas Cities, though. So which Kansas City are you talking about? He's on the Missouri side. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> are you a Chiefs fan? Sadly, no. Why? Why is that sad? Because uh, most people from Missouri are Chiefs fans, and when they hear that I'm not a Chiefs fan, they're like, what? Who the hell is this guy? Exactly. They're like, <laughs> do you even watch football? <laughs> yes, I watch football. I watch the Dallas Cowboys. I've been a fan oh, of them. I gotta oh, go. I gotta Dallas go. Cowboys fan? <laughs> gotta go. Oh. Gotta go. Hey, hey, cheers to Texas. Cheers to Texas. <laughs> I'm not cheersing this. I'm not cheersing this. But we're not cheersing to the Dallas Cowboys. In retrospect, you are a hidden meeting. Meaning that was for the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm not cheersing. I mean, <laughs> I'm a Cardinal fan, and we just whooped that ass. Yeah. Cheers to that. I will cheers to the Cardinals whooping the Cowboys' asses. Cheers to the Cardinals. <laughs> that was a good game. I'll give it to you. <laughs> that wasn't a good game. The Cardinals. There's only so much you can do with a quarterback. I actually, I had tickets to that game, and then COVID happened, and they gave me a refund, and then I was not a season ticket holder, so I couldn't like get tickets again. Yeah, that's COVID. It it hit everybody differently. So yeah, that broke my heart for sure. For sure. So you're from so you're from Excelsior Springs. Yes, and I currently live now in Springfield, Missouri, which is. Down by Branson, pretty close to Branson. I'm only I about that Branson is really cool. Like I've never Branson's been there, but I've heard that it's cool. If you ever get a chance, you need to go. Just make sure you bring a lot of money because everything is expensive. So, oh, because it's a tourist destination. That's the RDFT RDFTV uh, hotspot. Yes. What is an you R? You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm yes. talking about? RDFTV. Yes. What is RDFTV? You'll have to look it up. <laughs> right, all GTS after this recording. <laughs> I, I will say that Branson, they love their veterans as well. So if I go down there, everything is at a discount. So, which oh, is that also, is nice. It's a great thing. Very cool. Um, Very cool. So the reason I got started with military in the first place was, and this is kind of funny, my entire family started off, you can date my entire family back to the beginning of the Navy. Oh, the Navy. Yeah. And my entire family's been Navy ever since. Except for Go Navy. Navy. And uh, I joined the Army and became the black sheep of the family. I can see that. <laughs> but uh, my, my grandfather didn't talk to me for two years because of it. And, and your grandfather was in the Navy? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Amber and, and I were me. both Navy, so we're Navy veterans. Oh, okay. So we're yeah, a little partial. I, we kind of agree with your grandfather. <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing is, is, is I was talking to my brother because he was he was a CB in the Navy, oh, and uh, he actually asked me. He says, "So why did you even join the Army?" I was like, "Because I want to be basically in the middle of the shit. I don't want to be miles away from it." And I said, and "With me being a medic, I want to make sure that my guys are taken care of on the spot, not having to wait for them to get here." And so that's. That's the reason why I went to the Army instead of the Navy. So why did you decide, other than to be the black sheep and to be in the middle of things, to join the Army? And then why did you decide to initially be a medic and a military police officer? I wanted, because I, I'm, a, I'm a people person to me, and I've always been that type of person to, to help everybody. 
um, regardless of what's going on. Um, so I wanted to actually be able to help people right then on the spot to make sure that, you know, they're taken care of the right way and, and you're not leaving it upon somebody else who's possibly miles away or, you know, possibly scared that something's going to happen to them when they're trying to take care of somebody else. You know, to me, I was, you know, I need to do this. It's, it's calling me to do it. I need to help people right then and there. Um, so I joined the army so that I can actually be up in the middle of everything. Uh, so I can see it firsthand of what's going on, be able to take care of the people at that point in time. Yeah, I want to cheers, cheers you for that. I'm cheersing you for that because that is probably one of the most unselfish things that you could ever do with your life. So I'm choosing you for that. Thank you. That's incredible. The reason I wanted to become a medic, and this this kind of goes back to being when I was younger, uh, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it hit her hard. It hit me hard because I was a mama's boy growing up. And you always get that question from your mom, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she threw this question out one day, and I was like, I don't know. I said, "Ask, ask my brother and sister. You know, so she would ask them and one of them want to be a school teacher, one of them want to be a school bus driver. And then she comes back and asks me and just kind of out of nowhere, I said, I want to be an obstetrician gynecologist. Oh, that's interesting. And she, she stopped the car. She looked at me. She goes, you want to do what? I, I kind of popped out of my, I, I kind of popped out of my trance and I was like, what? She goes, what did you just say you wanted to be? And I was like, I didn't say nothing, mom. She was, yes, you did. She just said that she wanted to be an obstetrician gynecologist. And I looked at her and I was like, um, mom, I can't say that, let alone know what it is. And so for like five minutes, I tried saying the words. And then once I actually got them, she's like, or you can also call them OBGYN. I was like, oh, thanks, mom. But um, and to me, with that coming to me out of nowhere, it was basically to me a sign from somewhere up above however you guys want to look at it of saying, look, you are here to help people. You're here to do whatever, to make people better, to help people do whatever. So to me, that was going into the medical field in the army was a no brainer for me. So then why the switch from that to engineer? Uh, because of the time I, when I wanted to get back in going into the national guard from regular army, it's, it's a little different. And where I was at at the time, there wasn't any medical positions open. And so I was like, well, what, what, what's something else that I could do that, you know, I could still serve the country and, and be in the army. And my buddy at the time, because I was working with him as a bouncer, he and I both were bouncers at this nightclub. And he's like, I got some positions open if you want, because he was a recruiter. I was like, well, let's, you know, let me come up down to the office and we'll go through and look and see what you got. So we went through and as an E5 or yeah, as an E5 sergeant, which is what I was when I got out, the only thing that was available was an engineer. So I got into the engineer, but they busted me back down to E4 because at the time they didn't need an E5 again. So, yeah. So let me ask you this going from, you're still, so you're still in the military, still in the military. So you're still serving your country. You're still doing things for people but medic to engineer is a completely different aspect and vision of helping people how was that for you because i can tell 
It was that. different, but the thing about it was, as I looked at it as an engineer, I was a carpentry masonry engineer. So I'm basically building things. So they did a, um, a summer camp down in um, Ecuador and we went down there and built schoolhouses. So you know, for children. Oh, that's cool. So to me, it was a <laughs> whole another level. Of, he is like a male, more badass version of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way more badass. I wasn't in the army. Yeah. So let me ask you, what were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one? <sighs> See, I've been in Guernsey, Wyoming from Fort Lewis, Washington. Been at Fort Carson, Colorado, Fort Riley, Kansas, over in Iraq. And I'd say that probably my best one that I enjoyed the most was probably at Fort Carson, Colorado. So this is our first Midwestern Central veteran that we've had on our show that we can't ask to pick a coach. I know. Well, you said you were in Washington, right? I Actually, I liked being over in Washington, but I wasn't there very long because by the time that I actually got there, they, I was there for like maybe a month and they said, oh, well, we're going to farm you out to Camp Guernsey, Wyoming, because they need a medic there on site 24-7. So that's where you're going. I was like, How is um, Wyoming? Like, I've heard that that's beautiful country. I've actually never been to Wyoming. It is actually very beautiful. I've heard it's I, beautiful. I, if it was one of the places that, you know, if it wasn't always cold for the most part, I wouldn't mind living there. Yeah. That's how I feel about St. Louis. if it did not honestly if it did not snow and get cold except it's cold in texas right now but if it did not snow it's cold in texas right now i would be living in st louis st louis is cool like i've visited there it's a lot of fun i love it it is fun depending on where you go there's a lot of need for positive people in it's cool in St. Louis because the like the zoo and the parks and the museums and stuff are all free because it's part of the what the taxes you pay in St. Louis, right? And so yes. that's why they're able to provide those to the community for free because the community pays for them. Yeah. That is super cool. Like I wish there was more programs like that. I know Springfield, Missouri is actually trying to do that too, but they haven't actually got everything worked out the way they want it. So Yeah. That's a that's a neat little fact about St. Louis, though, is that like all that stuff is is available for no cost because the taxpayers take care of it. Yeah, and and a cool thing about Springfield too is, you know, Springfield, Missouri is the home of Route Six uh, Route Sixty Six. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's part <laughs> of the. I've done Route Sixty Six, but I've only done it from Oklahoma to Arizona. I've done it from Missouri to Arizona. Oh, and you stood on the corner of Winslow, Arizona? Yes. Me too. I love that place. <laughs> I, I grew up in Arizona, so anyone that has never been there, I take them there because I feel like it's something that everyone should do. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody has never to do taken me there. You've never taken me there. Well, because we didn't leave the junction when you came to visit me in Arizona. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. So I was calling... Cheers to Route 66, though. We can cheers to Route 66 because that is a cool, that is a cool, cool thing. I do it every chance I get with my son because I want him to be familiar with that history and that culture. Yeah, we actually have a museum right at the start where they actually say that Route 66 started, 
on the, the ground building and everything else, there's a museum that's right there. It's an awesome museum. Oh, that's cool. Was it, um, wasn't Springfield part of the Oregon Trail also? Uh, it was part of the Trail of No Tears, which is actually the, the Trail of No Tears actually goes into the Chisholm Trail, yes. Oh, that's cool. Because I'm just thinking of like playing Oregon Trail, and I know that what is Independence, Missouri is in the Oregon yes. Trail. Yes. Did you die from dysteria? On a, on a floppy disk in an Apple computer with a green and black screen. Yeah. Better than Oregon Trail, and I feel so bad that this generation of children will not get to know that game. They don't know how to hook their oxen up and float, try to float across the Missouri River yes. and hope you don't drown. And not get bit by a rattlesnake. Or go hunt the buffalo and you can Oh my gosh. We actually we played Oregon Trail when I was in school. Like it was an educational program. And and they won't they won't even know where where in the world is Carmen San Diego either. I know. So (laughs) So Russell, why was Colorado your favorite duty station? I like being in the mountains and I like skiing. I love skiing. I just recently skied in Colorado and it was hard. But you did it. You're, you're telling me it was hard and you want me to go and I don't even know how to ski. Yeah, but it was fun. <laughs> is, it's not that hard, honestly. Yeah, Once you I actually learn that you can do you your balance. You take a lesson. You just take a lesson with the hotty toddy ski instructor. <laughs> and then and then you're good to go. No, I'm waiting in the lodge. I told you, well, go to Colorado. I'm waiting in the lodge. Yeah, I skied Crested Butte and on St. Patrick's Day. I skied Crested Butte on St. Patrick's Day, and I accidentally discovered a bar halfway down the mountain. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I used to ski, uh, ski Vail, uh, Breckenridge, Aspen. How do you not Crested Butte? That's part of that circuit. Yeah, but to me, I, I, Crested Butte didn't have the challenge to me that the others had. So I I spent some time in Vermont when I was a kid, a couple of years. And so every Wednesday we would go skiing, like instead of going to school, like they would take you, they would put you on a bus and they would take you skiing on Wednesdays. And so I grew up skiing, but I grew up skiing the New England mountains, like the Vermont mountains, the white, I guess the white mountains is what they're called. And yeah. then 20 years later, after not skiing, I went to Colorado and I skied Crested Butte and I was a green trail warrior. <laughs> yeah, sure. see, that was a hard the trail. trail. The green trails to me, that that's to me that I call those the bunny slopes. Yeah, I thought they were in New England, and then I got to Colorado, and I was like, "This is not a green trail. This is like a blue. It was a hardcore blue trail, but Colorado saw it as a green trail." Yeah, I'm used to the blues and the black. Yeah, that's why you're a rock star. They black. Yeah, they have black. Oh, did you? Oh, you never. So you never skied Crested Butte. So you never did the banana shoot. No. Oh yeah, I saw some people do that. It looked intense. Green yeah, Trail Warriors like Bar. That was me. <laughs> bar St. Patrick's Day. Some kind of green drink in a mason jar, and I made it to the bottom of the hill at the end of the day. So <laughs> I'm happy with that situation. Yeah, <laughs> I would. And I met some really cool people while I was at the bar that skied there their whole lives. And that was really cool too. But I'm slightly jealous that you're good enough to do the black trails in Colorado. Yeah. I, like I said, I, the, the challenge to me is, is the thrill of skiing. Yeah. 
I, I feel like such a loser right now. <laughs> I mean, I would like to ski more, but I took such a break between like when I skied as a child and like when I went to Colorado to go skiing because I didn't realize that helmets were like a thing. Helmets, like ski helmets. Do you, you I didn't know that was a thing either. Yeah, apparently it's a thing now. So they don't require it, but they frown on you is. if you don't have one. Of course it's a thing now. Yeah, so I had to buy a helmet. That's crazy. I've never heard that. I bought one on Amazon because it was approximately the same price as renting one. Currently own a ski helmet, which means I need to go skiing again. That's all that means. It's already there. Ready to go. And I put a Crested Butte sticker on there too to make me look cool. (laughs) Russell's not going to take you now. (laughs) Russell, let's go skiing. We'll still go skiing. All right. right. I'm going to go too, but I'll just be at the lodge. So I have recently been visiting the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they have hills there. They are not Colorado hills. They are also not Vermont hills, but they are adequate. We should go skiing in Michigan. He skis on black trails. He's not going to go skiing in Michigan. I mean, he might to entertain us. Yeah, why not? I'll find some trails somewhere in the trees. Yeah, and I know people there, so we can go hang out at the VFW because the bartender is my friend. There we go. You can drink there all night for like 30 bucks. If, if it's you, if it's me, it's probably still going to be like 60. Maybe. Probably. Maybe. Well, right, you know, if I, if, if I was to go there, it'd probably be way, 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 way more than that. So I don't know. There was three of us drinking. And it was- Jack Daniels and Fireball. I mean, yeah. I can't do Fireball. I, I love Fireball. Fireball makes people mean. I'm not a big Fireball fan. I don't like the cinnamon. I love it. Fireball although, makes me Although Fireball unhappy. and rum chata mixed together, I will do those. Heaven and Hell. Yes. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's what you call it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I call yeah. it Heaven and Hell. I guess it's all the same. Yeah, because it tastes like the cereal. Oh, half and half. I can do that. Yeah, so good. All right, I can Russell. do rum chata and Fireball. Sorry, let's go. <laughs> Russell, do you have an active duty story that you can tell us? Uh, I have a whole bunch of them. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'll tell you a time of when I got my nipples pierced. Were you? Oh, yes. <laughs> let's freaking hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, my PA, he he was a pretty cool guy. I mean, we we sat around, we joked, we talked about anything and everything. His daughter was getting to the age where she thought she knew everything and didn't know anything. So yeah. He, uh, she told him, she came home from school one day and she goes, well, I'm going to get something pierced and I just don't know what I'm going to do yet. And he goes, uh, no, you're not. And she goes, yeah, I am. And she was talking about the nether region that she wanted to go and get done. Oh no. Baby. And he says, no, you're not. He says, I'm not paying for it. Number one, number two, no, no. And, uh, he had told her, he says, if you want anything pierced, I'll pierce your belly button for you. And she's like, you'll do it for free. And he's like, yeah, you're my daughter. I can do that. So that happened. Well, he was telling that story and somebody had said something about getting their nipples done. And I was like, I've always wanted to get my nipples done. And he turned around and he looked at me and he says, do what? I said, I wanted to get my nipples done. I said, I've done my own tongue. I mean, I had pierced my own tongue. Oh. And, <laughs> and he says, you really want your nipples done? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'll do it for you if you want. I said, sure. 
He says, you just go get the rings, whatever you want, and I'll do it for you. I was like, all right, Ben. So I went out that night, went to the mall, bought the nipple rings. Where came were back you and stationed said, during this? Uh, Fort Riley, Fort Riley, Kansas. There's not really anything else to do in Kansas. Yeah, not really. Kansas is flat. There's nothing there. Oh, do they grow, <laughs> do they grow corn there? No, that's Iowa. Yeah, that's Iowa. In Kansas, it's all wheat. Oh, and sunflowers. Ooh, sunflowers are pretty, though. <laughs> yeah, but once you see them all the time like that, uh, yeah, no. they ain't pretty no more. <laughs> okay, so you get your jewelry. Yeah, I get my jewelry. I come back. I, I call him on the phone at home, and I was like, hey, I went, just went and bought it. I said, when do you want to do this? He says, well, we'll wait, and I'll, I'll think of something. I was like, what do you mean you'll think of something? I, I don't like that tone. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. You'll like it. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, we get to basically work the next day, and we come to find out we're going to the field in a week. He says, that's where we'll do it. We'll do it out in the field. I was like, do what? what? <laughs> he says, we'll do, it out. we'll do it out in the field. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I said I was going to do it. Let's do it. So we get out there. No the one's being first- Terry. <laughs> <laughs> we get out there in the very first day. He comes up to me when we get the tent and everything else set up. He goes, did you bring your jewelry? I said, yeah, I got it right here. And I pulled it out of my pocket. And I showed him. And he's like, all right. He says, go get on the table. I'm like, we're going to do it now? And he's like, yeah, we're going to do it right now. I was like, okay. So I go get on the table, take my shirt off and everything else. I lay down. And he goes ahead and does the left one, gets it in, you know, gets the ring in and everything else. And he goes, wait. I was like, wait, for what? I said, I want to get the other one done. I said, I don't want just one side. I said, I'm walking lopsided. He goes, hang on. And so he calls one of the new guys who just came out of basic training in AIT. I mean, this is the first time he's been out in the field with us. He's only been with us for like maybe two weeks. So he calls him over and he says, hey, uh, he says, you want to pierce somebody's nipples? And he goes, what? Oh gosh. He says, you want to pierce somebody's nipple? And he goes, sure, why not? He's like, all right, go back there. So he brings them back to the back because we have the tent set up to where our living quarters is in the back and then our hospitals type style is set up front. So was this being done when you were a medic? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so he comes, he comes back to the back and he goes, ah, Summers wants his nipples done. He says, yeah, he says, I already done the first one. You can go ahead and do the second one. He's like, all right. He says, are we going to numb it? I said, no, just do it. And he goes, what? (laughs) I said, just do it. I said, the first one wasn't numbed. I said, I don't need this one numbed either. Just do it. He's like, okay. Well, then the RPA was standing over and watching him as he's sitting there trying to do it. And um, you can just see his hand just shaking. Oh, gosh. And he's like, am I I, I okay? I was like, would you just do it? Just calm down, take a deep breath, and just poke. It's not that hard. It's just like you're doing an IV. And he's like, okay. So he sits there and boom, boom. Right through, and he goes, ah, and he just starts crying. I mean, he's the one that's crying. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. So he, he, he tell, our RPA tells him to go ahead and put the, the ring in. He's like, no, I'm not, no, no, no. And you just see the tears just coming down his face. And Poor baby. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I, 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 I don't want to do it. And so the PA just grabs the ring and puts it through and pulls out the, the needle and everything else. And 
I sit there and I put the the spike on it because I got the spikes instead of balls. And uh, he says, That's now. What she said. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> I will drink to that one. Cheers, because that's what she said. <laughs> yes. So he, I, we, we have this stuff. It's called Tagaderm. And it's basically to cover like incisions or, or um, like infection or spots where they put the needles in, you know, so that get any kind of infection or anything or any dust or anything in the holes and stuff. So I put Tagaderm over my nipple rings. And so like when I go to take a shower or when I'm out in the field, so I'm not sweating all over it, it's getting infected. Well, every single time I come back to the tent, to the, basically the, the hospital, Every time I would come back, the PA would sit there and hit the left side, which is the one that he did. And he would do it just purposely. He would watch for me to come up. And then when I'd come in, he'd sit there and just, bam, and just hit me as hard as he could and drop me to the ground every time. And I would sit there and yell, cuss, everything, scream at him. That's why he wanted to do it. And that's why he wanted to do it in the field. It was. It was. That's the reason. He said it. He even said it too. He said, when we got back out of the field, he's like, you know, the only reason why I wanted to do it in the field is so I could give you hell. I'm like, I kind of figured that, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Good looking out. <laughs> yeah. Good looking out. Thanks. So I do have to ask are they still pierced? Yes, they are. Do they have spikes in them still? Yes, they do. <laughs> Bravo, Zulu. <laughs> yes. nothing beats a field piercing i know I it could not imagine well I, I i've had this philosophy my entire life and the, and the the thing is is pain only affects you if you think about it oh no i'm not my here we go i had my nipples pierced and that's not the part i can't imagine the part i can't imagine is a non-sterile environment the whole time after you get it uh, I guess it was kind of sterile because y'all were medics and you had. But he was a medic, and it was done in the medic. Not in the field, though. Well, yeah. see, the thing is, is you know, yeah. I have I have tagaderm over it, so it's not getting any sweat or any dust yeah. or any dirt or anything else on it. All right. And then I go and take a shower, and when I take a shower, then I'll take them off. I'll clean the areas, you know, put tagaderm back on it, so I'm all good. So you walk by and get that slap in your left tit. Yeah. <laughs> and drop to my knees and scream and yell and cuss the PA and yeah. <laughs> but you called the PA a sir. Was he an officer? Yes, he was. Well, that's cool. Yeah, PA is, is basically a physician's assistant, and they're they make the calls on everything that we do. Yeah, I wasn't sure if um, the army made them as enlisted or as officers. No, they they're officers. Yeah. Okay. And then the doctors are officers too, obviously. Like in the Navy, all the officers are. Yes. Like all the doctors are officers. But like physician's assistant is kind of like that swing position. Yeah. It's it's like that right in between. Yeah. Like they're, like they're cooler than a nurse, but not as cool as a doctor. Right. (laughs) So I I guess I just never thought of it, but I heard you call him sir. So. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was a captain at first when I first got there. Um, and he made it to major, and when he actually, well, he went up for major like three different times while I was there, and twice he uh, was denied, so. I mean, he does field piercings. He should get any rank he wants. <laughs> right? He should go ahead and get his rank. <laughs> Sounds like a badass, for sure. 
he was awesome. That's I, I mean, if I if I had to work as as a medic again, I would definitely want to have him as my PA. That's awesome. So, as fun as enlisted or sea stories or whatever you want to call them are, eventually we have to make that transition from active duty to veteran how was your transition the first time i got out in 2007 it was kind of hard because i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do i didn't know where i wanted to go with my life i was just kind of stuck and working as a bouncer wasn't really kind of a career goal that i wanted i don't think Um, that's a career goal for anyone yeah, for some people it can be. Maybe, maybe it is sometimes. <laughs> but um, I got to thinking, you know, with my medical background, with my mom having cancer and me helping her out a lot uh, with massage because massage was very important for her because it helped out, it helped relax her, it helped with the cancer and everything else like that. I said, you know what, I'm going to go to school for massage therapy. So that. I went ahead and did. I signed up for school, went to school for massage therapy, and that actually got my mind off the fact of, you know, being out of the military because I was still helping people in the way that I wanted to in the first place. Massage therapy sounds like such a hippie thing to do. It it, it kind of does, but you would be surprised at how many people are just like banging on your door when they find out you're a massage therapist. I'll pay whatever. Just, just make me feel better. No. <laughs> I actually wanted to be a massage therapist. Um, I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York, so the fin- there's a Finger Lakes School of Massage Therapy, is which is like a huge, important, amazing massage therapy school, is where I was going to go. And then I was like, I'm not a science person, so I joined the Navy. There's not really a lot of science. It's mostly, I mean, it is science. Bones and muscles, and I'm not about to try to learn all that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's mostly you're you're concentrating more on muscles than you are bones. Um, But you need to know what bones are connected to where and why, and where their trigger points are, and where their joints are connected, where the tendons are connected. Yeah, so, and that's kinda... why I joined the Navy and became an air traffic controller. <laughs> so when did you get tired of, I don't want to say tired. So when you decided that you were going to go back in and so that you were in the second time for how many years? For five years. Five. So, so when you were getting out the second time, you already kind of knew what it was like to get out. Was there a difference in for you in the resources and the way you were treated getting between the first time and the second? Time? There was a big change for me. Um, getting out the first time was I, I didn't know all the things that I was basically kind of able to get. I, I could say most people would sit there and say that what you're entitled to. I don't feel the fact that I'm entitled to anything. I mean, granted, yeah, I fought for this country. I took a bullet for this country. But the thing about it is, you know, I'm just a person just like everybody else. But getting out the first time, I I didn't know of every program, every avenue that I had that would, you know, actually help out veterans, people who just recently got out, people who 
are sitting at home going, I'm scared. I don't know why I'm scared. I'm having nightmares because of what I did. I, you know, things like this. It's, and when I got out the second time, it actually helped out because I knew that, okay, there's the VA, there's USAA, there's USO, there's this program, there's that program. There's people here this you know, on this social media site that actually helps out. There's people on this social media, you know, there was different avenues that I could go to the second time and getting out. And it just made the transition a little bit easier than, than the first time. I mean, I can imagine that was, that was a difference in, let's see, that's an eight year, an eight year difference. So there was eight years between when you got out the first time and when you got out the second time, which of course, I mean, a ton of changes technology-wise and social media-wise, like you're saying. I don't know. To me, I would have looked back at, like, I wish I knew then what I know now because I already knew what it was like to get out once. So I guess, like, if you if you serve and you get out and then you go back in and get out, you're like, thank God that I don't have to do what I did the first time again. You know, it was it was a relaxing feeling when I got out the second time because I knew that I had, you know, I had the VA already because I, I was out for three years, the break, I had a three-year break, and I had a friend of mine who was a veteran as well, and he was with the VA, and he kept hounding me and hounding me and hounding me to get on the VA. And I'm like, I don't think the VA is going to take me, yada, yada, yada. I'm still young. And he's like, you're a veteran. You served. You was in war they'll take you. I'm like, uh, okay, well, let's find out. And finally, such a, he got to the point. I think that's such a standard feeling too, because I felt the same way as you, where I was like, I didn't have anything wrong with me. Like the VA is not going to take me. And it was the same thing. Like someone bugged me and bugged me and bugged me and bugged me until I finally put in with the VA and the VA was like, absolutely. Like you're all kinds of messed up. Like come to our team. <laughs> And I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, let me start this journey. And now I'm finally getting the help that I needed. But like it, it took a lot of persuasion and a lot of like reprogramming my thought processes to get there. Yeah. And it, when I, when I first joined, I mean, it was, it was a kind of like a culture shock, you know, they offered this program, this program, this program, this program, this program. I'm like, um, y'all do that. Y'all do this. You know, and it was just kind of a, yeah, you're a veteran. We're here to help you. This is what we're going to offer you here. I'm like, oh, oh okay. So, I mean, it was it was a great thing. I'm glad that he actually, he, he finally got to the point that he was, he stopped hammering me about it and he put me in his car and we went. So, yeah, no, I've, I've been there. I get that for sure. Because I had some people in my life that were like, what are you doing? Just go to the VA. And I was like, no, nothing's wrong with me. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm good. But I wasn't. I wasn't. I was telling myself a story and they saw through the story and they they finally like convinced me to put in all of the things that I needed to put in to get the help I needed. So that was really cool. And I'm thankful to them every day. But it's it's hard. It is hard. And, and that that's kind of the reason I, I joined the, the group of TikTok Battle Buddies, you know, to help veterans itself themselves actually be able to transition back into civilian world without all the problems that, you know, I went through my first time and other problems that I've seen other veterans go through when they got out. With that, 
the head of TikTok Battle Buddies actually said, look, we know there's a lot of veterans on TikTok. We're going to make an entire division just for that. And Russ, you're going to be the head of that. You understand. You've been there. You've been through it. Twice. You, you, yeah. twice. Yeah. I mean, you have a truly unique situation when it comes to, it's not like you were reserves and went active duty, but you were actually active duty, got out, and then went active duty again and got out again. And so to have like, to see it from two different perspectives as far as what it was like to get out the first time and the second time, I, I can imagine that you were way more prepared the second time. Yeah, I, I was I was set for it. So, I mean, it helped me out a lot knowing exactly what I wanted to do and, and everything. So so how how are you doing today? I am actually doing great. Um, I, I've got me a great job. Um, I, I'm not in any kind of the medical field or anything else like that. I'm actually uh, a machine operator for a plastics company. Um, but with that, I'm actually helping people further their careers as well when they start coming to work there. Um, because I help them, I give them guidance on um, how to better themselves there, so that they can become like a relief op operator, which is more pay for them. You know, to help them out. You know, get them to grow within the company as well. So, do you feel like your military experience and the things that you went through have helped you to be a mentor to some of the younger people coming through your current job? I believe it has, with the fact of me being a a sergeant twice. Uh, and having so many people that I've had to look after to help to mentor while I was in, I just kind of feel like it's the same at work, you know, having to, to mentor them to help them get where they want to be, you know, and be somebody that they can talk to, you know, when they have a problem or an issue or anything else like that. So if you had advice for either someone just getting ready to become a veteran or someone that has been struggling for a while as a veteran, what was that advice? My advice for that would be to basically play on your strengths. We all have strengths. We all have ideas that we've had forever in our lives. It's something that, you know, we've wanted to do or something that we've, we've done before that we know that we're good at. That is a strength for yourself. And if you can play on that, concentrate on that, move with that, that would actually help out with your transition because in your mind, you're still doing what you love. Serving this country was something that I loved. Helping people was something that I loved. So putting them together and becoming a medic in the army, it was something I loved. Then getting out, not knowing what I wanted to do, I played on my strength of helping people. So I became a massage therapist and it's actually helped me out with growing and, you know, becoming making that transition in, into civilian life again and actually being able to, I guess you could say, keep my mind <laughs> among other things. Right. You have to keep that mind busy. Yes. So what if, what if, um, what if there's someone who's like, I don't know what my strengths are or, uh, my strength was fighting. My, my strengths was being deployed. That was my strength. My strength was being told what to do. What advice would you have for someone like that? It's funny that you asked that because I actually had a uh, gentleman who I came to the TikTok Battle Buddies to help out with. And that was 
his thing. He says, well, my strength is fighting. My strength is, you know, I need direction on what I need to do. You know, I, I'm the type of person that, you know, you have to tell me what to, what, what to do so I can get it done. I said, okay. I said, if, if, if that's the way that you are, then fight for something that you love. What's something that you love? You love cars. Okay. Well, fight for the fact that you want cars, that you want to rebuild them, or that you want to have them. You've got a job. Fight to raise yourself in your job so that you can make more money, so that you can get your car. Get this dream car that you want. Get that car over there because it looks nice and whoever's got it is not taking care of it the way that you think it needed to be taken care of. There's fighting everywhere. You have to fight to live. You have to fight for jobs and position. You have to fight for the money that you make on your paycheck. It may not be the fighting that you're used to with a gun and hand-to-hand -hand combat and things like that, but you're working. You're moving. You're proving to the boss, to the people above you, that you're wanting to stay there, that you're wanting to work. The people above you, your bosses and everything else, they're telling you what to do. There you go. Yeah. Go with what they say. See, so that's, I think that that's helpful for, for someone who is maybe struggling, like looking for the guidance. Like I know that a lot of people will join the military because they need that. They need that order. They need the routines. And so you gave a perfect example of comparing military to civilian life. So I, I appreciate you for that. That's really, really good insight. So if, Veterans wanted to find you or reach out to you or ask for assistance on a personal level. Where could they find you? They can find me on my TikTok uh, at redneck98, R-E-D-N-E-C-9-8. Or if they would like, they can go ahead and get onto the military division part of TikTok Battle Buddies, which is at T-T-B-B, military division. It's all one word. I have a couple of other veterans that are actually below me of mentors. You know, they, if you don't want to talk to me, you can talk to them. Either way, we have mentors all over the place to help out with everything. You know, I kind of basically, I'm a jack of all trades when it comes to like the PTSD, the anxiety, the, the transition part of it. Um, one of my other ones, they concentrate on just the PTSD because that's what they're used to. So it's different levels and different types of people, but we're all veterans in that group. We'll help out with whatever you need. That's awesome. That sounds like a great resource for veterans if they need to reach out. Uh, Amber, do you, all right, Amber, do you want to talk about the charity that we're choosing to support this episode? Sure. So we have chosen to support the Tilvahala Project and the mental health awareness that they bring about as well as the 22 a day and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. I know that number fluctuates. I know it's different. I know sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up, but um, the fact that there's even any veterans killing themselves is an issue. So I wear my bracelet to, to support and to bring awareness of the 22 a day and the Silva Hall project. Yes, it is such an important mission for us. If you would like to reach out to Amber or myself, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. 
Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. Send us an email at the Gmail that Amanda mentioned or DM us on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. By leaving us a review, it increases our visibility and we're able to help more veterans. Um, you can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. It's a good time and a great opportunity to network with your fellow veterans. You don't have to be a veteran. If you are curious as a civilian what veterans talk about when they get together, jump on and see what we're doing. Or if you're active duty and have some insight as well, or just want to network prior to getting out, we're also inviting you to join us. Yeah, it's a super relaxed environment. Pretty open to whatever really, how we go with the flow on our hangouts. Disclaimer, sometimes it gets a little crazy, so be prepared for that. It's, it's veterans. Yeah. Veterans. <laughs> They're special. And, and to bring it back to, to our focus and to our mission with this podcast and what um, is so important to Amanda and myself is the fact that 22 veterans killing themselves every day is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans think of vodka. Cheers. Cheers.